praise the Lord, Church of Omaha. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord all over this place and just give God some praise for a moment. Amen. Amen. He is great and greatly to be praised. If you're out in the lobby, why don't you make your way in here at this time if you can hear me. And God bless those of you who are uh, joining us online this morning. And I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I'm always thankful to be in the house of the Lord with with believers, and I'm thankful that you all made your way here today. I'm thankful for for a vehicle that made it here, one way or another. You know, slipping and sliding around a little bit, and I am thankful again for those of you that are joining us online. And if you're watching online, and you have yet to visit, we can't wait to meet you in person one day. We've saved a seat for you, in Jesus' name. Am I right? Amen. Amen. And can I just say, it is cold outside. Is that all right? It's, it's very cold outside. Uh, but guess what? It's warm inside. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. And how about all that snow, right? <laughs> My goodness, I couldn't get enough of it. I was talking with Pastor uh, Jeremy the other day. It was a couple of days ago about, about what they named the snowstorm. You know, sometimes they refer to these types of things as snowmageddon or something like that. And I was looking at this little news thing that popped up on my phone and it said, snowstorm or uh, winter storm Jerry, but I thought it said Getty. And so I'm like, well, that just makes perfect sense. They're just naming it for short for like Armageddon, Snowmageddon, that type of thing. But, and I was telling people about it, I'm like, you're never going to believe this. But then I went and looked back. And my eyes had deceived me, so praise God for that. But anyways, I just thought that was a little funny thing for us this morning. Amen. This morning, I want to take you to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you're able to, why don't we go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. 2 Corinthians 4. The scripture will be on the screen behind me, but if you've got your Bibles, turn there as well. And we're going to begin with verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe. And therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And as you're closing your Bibles and taking your seats this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Jesus, we call on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We call on you, the one who gives us hope of eternal life, the one who gives peace in our current situations, and the one who is mighty to save. And God, I pray right now that you would grant me your words to minister today. Help me not to stand in the way, but be a vessel for you to move through and minister for what you desire for your church. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you about possessing in the midst of pressure. Possessing in the midst of pressure. 
In what we read just a few moments ago, Paul is ministering to the Corinthians about their trials, but what he does not do is bring them to light to give someone a reason to dwell on these trials, these issues, these problems, these struggles. And yes, you can use any of those words that you, that you choose for whatever thing you may be currently going through or maybe you've gone through in the past. But what we do read, through all of the pressure that one may face, is that something better is coming. Something better is on the horizon. There is a greater ending. And let me just tell someone here today, pressure will come. I don't wish it on anyone, but pressures happen. Pressures in life happen. They may happen every day. They may only happen once a week, but they happen. I don't know what the pressure is for you, but you've gone through them before. What, what feels like the pressing against you is something that you, at some point as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ and His Word, and as an up-and-coming daily disciple of Jesus, will come face-to-face -face with. But can someone help me out? Where does our help come from? <laughs> Where does our help come from? Does it come from that which go comes and goes with the seasons? Does it come from those things which pass away? Does it come from any material possessions? Where does our help come from? I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from He who is the first, the last, which was and which is and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, I've got multiple testimonies and as I have heard from many of you, you also have many testimonies of how the Lord was with you and how the Lord was with me through it all. He's the only one who will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the only one that will never let you down. How, you know, there, there have been times where I couldn't see tomorrow, Pastor Jeremy, but I knew who held my tomorrow. I knew who was already there. It's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's Jesus who stands beside me at all times, the one who goes before me, and the one that's already taken care of all this mess that's behind. Now, I could just come to a close right here and have the musicians come, but, but I've been blessed with a whole 50 minutes with you this morning, and we still have... Roughly 43 of those minutes left, so praise God. Now, <laughs> I'm going to preach. Amen, amen. <laughs> the beginning of this passage, we read that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And sometimes when, when one reads that, if you've ever read that, and you're like, what does that mean? What does it mean we have this treasure in earthen vessels? Because at first glance, you may think it's talking about keeping a treasure in something that's made from the earth. And, and I can tell you that if you think that way, you're on the right track. See, there's a realization that comes as one draws closer and closer to Jesus. And that, he or, and that is that he or she is more and more of nothing without Jesus. Why? Well, you may already know, but the closer you get to him, the less of this, of that, you need the less of this or that you need the less of this or that that you desire no that is not an excuse to not be about our father's business but but in reality it is the greater encouragement to be more and more about our father's business because we are not concerned about this or that anymore We've put on that mind of Christ that says, I'm going to do this because the Lord desires that I do it because His Word says so. And you'll find that, again, as you, as you draw closer to Him, you, you'll look at these things over here and that, that's not really a worry of mine because, you know, you cast all your worries and your anxieties on Him and they may not go away, but guess what changes? It's your perspective on it. You see, the Lord just transforms your mind to say, Yes, that's a worry. Yes, that's a concern. You know, there's been many times, especially this past year, where I've, where I've had some worries and concerns that, may have, that could have completely consumed me. And for a moment, 
transparency, I felt like they were consuming me. But when I turned those things over to the Lord, the weight was lifted. The yoke was lifted. That bondage was lifted from me. The situation didn't change, but my perspective on it did. I was able to think through some things and work through those things. But it was only by the Lord. It was only by the Lord. You see, once we, what we were once bound with, as we draw closer to Him, listen, we are no longer bound to anymore. And since you are making more room for Him, you will find that there will be less room for these other things. You fill yourself up with Him, there's going to be that no vacancy sign flashing on your heart. There's not going to be room for this or that anymore. So what is this earthen vessel? What is it? The better question is who? And that's us. We are the earthen vessel. If you back up just one more verse, you will find an explanation as Paul writes in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4. It says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So again, we are that earthen vessel. And continuing, the treasure that we hold as that earthen vessel is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is that revelation of the one true God who became us, who hung on that tree for you and for me while we were yet sinners. The one who became the ransom for our sins both for those we have asked forgiveness for and those that we haven't. For those sins that one has repented for and those that one has not. And what a Savior who did such a selfless act for us, who did such a selfless thing for me, who became sin, who became my sin, who knew no sin, Oh, so that we could receive that light, that treasure within us. That treasure that one must protect with everything that they are, must hold so closely to, must never let go of. That which is more precious than the finest gold, the silver, the rubies, the diamonds. You can, you can remove the dross from that gold and that silver, but it will never be as fine as this light of the revelation of Jesus Christ, of that, this light that we hold within us. You see, there's no comparison. The, the treasure is incorruptible. This treasure is incorruptible. It cannot be made or unmade with any human hands. It is everlasting, and I could go on and on about this treasure, but, but ask yourself as we continue. Ask yourself, do I have this treasure in me? Is that something that I am holding on to? Have I allowed the Lord to fill me, to transform me, to change me? You know, I was thinking about this filling up of this treasure, and, and because I like to use things that I would come into contact with every day, I give you the example of a coffee cup. What good is a coffee cup that is empty? What good is a coffee cup that is empty? There's, I mean, it, it might be good to use for some kind of decoration on a, on a, on a shelf or something, but I, I may have to get back to that in a little bit. But if I set an empty coffee cup on the table with my plate full of breakfast, what benefit am I going to get from that empty coffee cup? You're right. This cup will not benefit me in any way. It will not benefit me until I do what? Until I fill it up with that delicious brown, sometimes black, depending on how strong you like it, liquid. Praise God. Like this, we as the earthen vessel which God created from the dust of the ground need this treasure within us because without it, 
Without it, eternity looks grim. Death will be the end. Everlasting life is not in the story. As one gets closer to him, there is an emptying of this vessel of the things of this world. There is a cleansing that takes place within the vessels. There is a time of emptiness. But wait, because that vessel won't remain empty. The Lord desires to fill you back up again. When we read in John chapter 3 of John testifying about Jesus, a part of this testimony was, as we read in verse 30, he must increase, I must decrease. Read that again. He must increase, but I must decrease. So in order for him to increase, as I've been saying this time, I have to decrease. If I don't decrease, he won't, and so on and, and so forth. He must become more. I must become less. You know, look at the process of making an old wineskin new again. If you've ever done any research on making an old wineskin new again, you, you find that in order for that wineskin to be useful again, it has to go through a time of emptiness where it can't be filled. While it is empty, it is submerged in water for a period of time to make it malleable, to make it usable again. It is then massaged with oil on its exterior. And once that happens, it is fit to be filled again. It is likened unto a new wineskin. So like that wineskin, maybe you are here today and you've been emptied. Maybe you've been working on emptying yourself of the things of this world and God has been gripping your heart. What you are feeling there is God telling you that he wants to fill you. He wants to completely consume you. He desires to fill you and to fill you again. If you need that and you haven't received it yet, I pray that today is your day to receive that revelation of Jesus Christ. That today, in fact, I declare that right now, that today is your day. I, that today is your day to repent of your sins. Yeah. That today is your day to be baptized in the only saving name, Jesus. Yeah. That today is your day to be filled with the precious Holy Spirit. That today is your day to possess this treasure. Today is your day to, to repossess it if you've lost it in Jesus' name. To take back that which was lost. Take it back from, where you, where, from wherever you left it. You see, the devil's had a control on some for too long. He's, he's taken that from you, but hear me. He can't have it forever. Because once you make that choice, if you've been walking this way for so long, if you've been walking this way for so long, and, and you were once living for the Lord, but you've walked away from that, and now you're walking towards this or that, the worldly things, once you make that turn and you repent of those things, and you turn back and you seek God and you allow Him to fill you, you will be filled again. You will be made whole again in Jesus' name. The devil has no control. He, he cannot... He cannot do anything about it. He cannot stop you. He cannot stop you from turning. Don't listen to him because that's the only thing he has. He, he can't see what's in the future. He can't see what's to come. He can only live for right now. You see, this treasure... You know, maybe you've done some housekeeping in your vessel. But let me remind you, and I, I can't remember where it's found right now, but, but the story of the house that was swept clean. I can't remember the reference, but it was swept clean of everything. But then it wasn't filled back up again. It was swept clean again because you can't just empty yourself. You can't just sweep it clean and not be seeking something because whatever you swept it clean of is just going to dirty itself back up again. Here's a funny thing. I was cleaning my house the, yesterday, um, and we have this 
the only uh, cold air return that we have in the house, and it's hidden behind this little stand on the side of our, uh, our living room. And my wife looks back there, and she's not in here, so don't, don't think anything of this, but she's like, oh, I really need to clean that because that's really dirty. And there was dust, there was you know, mothballs and dust and things like that that have corrupted it, that have made it dirty. You see, when, when we allow things to come through us for so long that are not of the Lord, we're going to get a little dusty, but we've got to shake that thing off. We've got to let, you know, I used a vacuum cleaner to, to vacuum it up, but we've got to be swept clean of those things. And once we do, then there's that maintenance that's required. We've got we've to maintain that. We've got to take some maintenance of our heart each and every day. That's why Paul says, I must die daily. Because if I don't die today, that's going to come with me tomorrow. So I've got to die with each and every day, truly with each and every breath that I take. We are emptying ourselves of those distractions, of those things, so that God can fill us up Again, you know, we're in the midst of a media fast here at the Church of Omaha. And, and for some, it may be a struggle, while others, maybe it's not a struggle. But, but we're doing those things so we can rid ourselves of those distractions, of those things that, that may cause stress, of those things that may cause anxiety, so that God can fill us up again with, with His truth, with His love, with His joy, with His peace. Because once you possess once you possess that treasure, shifting gears a bit, it's not something that you keep to yourself, but rather it is something that you use to help others. It is something that, that you use to encourage others. It is something that, that you implore others that they too need this treasure. If I don't drink that coffee that I was telling you about just moments ago, what happens to it? It gets cold. If I leave it there for long enough, it will start to mold. I've got to share that treasure with others. I've got to pour it out. And, and rather than just keeping it to myself, I've got to shine the light of Jesus for others to see. All of which I must do daily. As we continue on through our passage, we read of being perplexed, persecuted, struck down, and always caring about the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, if we were to only read those bad things that happened to Paul as a servant of the Lord, these things that he mentioned, we, we may find ourselves agreeing with Paul and may start to feel a bit justified about being bitter about this or that or maybe leaving the ministry or, or having a nervous breakdown. But we need to go back up and read that passage again where he talked about being not crushed not in despair, not forsaken, not destroyed, and of the life of Jesus being made manifest in his body. Go back up there, beginning with verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, the bad, yet not distressed, the good. We are perplexed, the bad, but not in despair, the good. We are persecuted, the bad, but not forsaken, the good. Cast down, the bad, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body of the Lord Jesus the bad, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, the good. As we carefully read what is written, we can read and echo the notes of celebration in the midst of those trials that have knocked him down in life. Have you been troubled on every side? Have you felt perplexed? Have you been persecuted? Have you been cast down? Oh, hear me, somebody. You may have experienced one or two or maybe even all of these, but the end is not yet. I want to boldly declare to you today, all who are under the sound of my voice and by the leading of His Spirit, that you may be troubled on every side, but you are not distressed. You may be perplexed, but you are not in despair. You may be persecuted, but you are not forsaken. You may feel cast down, but you are not destroyed. Oh, I wonder if we can just thank God for that all over this place. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It is when you take these pressures that you experience and turn them over 
to the Lord. It's a literally, I've got it in my hand. It's yours now, Lord. I've got this here. It's yours now, Lord. It's casting your cares, your worries, your anxieties, your everything on Him. Lord, I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling doubtful. But you are my ever-present help in time of need. Lord, I'm feeling the pressure. But you will never leave me. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm, I'm feeling like I've been thrown down, cast down, but I know that it is just for this moment in time. My eternity is with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where the possessing in the midst of pressure comes upon us. You may be here today feeling pressured on every side, but keep on pressing. You may be here today feeling isolated because of your choice to live a holy and acceptable life to God. But keep pressing. You may be here today feeling like life has knocked you down. But I want to encourage you to get back up again. It was only by the Lord's strength that Paul could even consider writing these celebrations in the midst of trials. As the church, we take courage and realize that we can handle these curveballs that life throws at us with his strength with his strength his strength is made perfect in our weakness what's more if you look to your left or to your right look at your neighbor sitting next to you if you look in front of you or behind you go ahead and wave at him be friendly you will see someone sitting there you may not know that person very well Okay, but, but guess what? It's very likely that that person you see has experienced a trial, has experienced some tribulation, and has experienced a struggle. Y'all are looking at me. I know I have. As I stated just moments ago, it's obviously not something that any, anyone wishes on anyone else. But when it happens to me, I try with all of my might to take courage in the Lord. For he told me in his word that these things would happen. If people want to press me, they can go ahead and press me. If people want to hate me, they can go ahead and hate me. If people want to ridicule me, they can go ahead and ridicule me. Because it's not me that they're really doing it to. In John 15, 19 through 20... Jesus proclaimed to his disciples, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I sent unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. Meaning if, G if it happened to Jesus, then it could happen to you. And Jesus continues, if they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept my saying... They will keep yours also. And throughout history, we read stories of those who were martyred for their faith. The word gives details of that very thing happening to his disciples. But remember, it was not so that the disciples would become fearful. It's not so they would clam up and just get real nervous. Rather, it was that they were prepared for the pressure that was to come. But also, as Jesus would also say in the very next chapter, he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. It may feel like for a moment, like it's more than you can handle. I know there are moments when it feels like just too much. It feels just like too much. But it is never, ever more than Jesus can handle. It's never more than he can handle. You see, there's a good reason why we cast those anxieties, those cares, those worries, those fears, those concerns on Jesus. It's because he cares for you. It's because he is the source, the true source, really the, the only true source of that peace, that joy, that love, that truth, that patience, and that confidence. Did you know that you can find all that you need in him? Did you know that... Do you know Jesus to be the provider of all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Do you know that he has overcome the world? You know, in kind of going back to looking at the people around you and realizing you are not alone, 
along with God's word that we read and take comfort in, we also have the benefit and comfort of seeing others be victorious and triumph through calamity, through sorrow, through tragedy, through illness, through death, and losses of every sort. I have stood by people and watched them deal with struggles, pains, sickness, and more. I have stood by some during times of unbelievable stress and was encouraged because of their faith in knowing that they would not be abandoned by Christ. Yes, they may have wavered a little bit, but guess who else wavered? Not to make a big scene on the faults in people, but look at Sarah, who laughed when God tell her that she would conceive. Her name is written in what some know as the Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews 11. Look at Moses, who doubted he could speak to the people, so God sent another man to do it for him. God didn't take away something from Moses because of his wavering, but provided him with the help that he needed. Look at Job. You read the book of Job and you see those trials, those tribulations, those losses, those heartbreak that he had to endure. These people and more seem to have a, a, a bit of wavering in their faith, but, but the Lord didn't just push them to the side and say, eh, I'm, I'm done with you. When Thomas doubted that Jesus was, in fact, standing before him, rather than casting lightning down from heaven to kill Thomas for his unbelief, he opened his hands to show the scars. And here's the best part. The Bible doesn't put a whole lot of emphasis on this wavering faith to say, well, your faith wavered, so you're, 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 uh, you know, you're going to be in trouble. Mm, there's, there's no help for you. But, in fact, when we see this wavering faith, it's almost to kind of look past it at, at the better ending. In Romans chapter 4, we read of Abraham. As an example of faith, beginning with verse 20, he said, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. But hold on for just a moment, because I can imagine that maybe some of you are trailing down the same thought process that I am. And did, did Abraham struggle to believe in the promise that God had given him? Abraham, who was before Abram took it upon himself after listening to Sarai to attempt to almost rush this promise by having a child with Hagar, the handmaid. And I, I won't go too far down that rabbit hole, but to say that even though Abram's faith wavered for a moment, God never gave up on him. God had a greater plan. Even though Abram sort of took things into his own hands, there was still a bit of unwavering faith. God still had a promise, a promise to which he made to Abraham, as he would soon be named after, to, to be the father of many nations, to the point that when Abraham's promised son Isaac was finally born, he trusted God would provide that sacrifice so that he would not have to sacrifice his own son. On the way up that mountain, he kept saying, God will provide, God will provide. He's done it before, he's going to do it now, to which Abraham is considered to be a father in the faith. And what an example we have to follow. You see, sometimes when we walk by faith and believe in the Lord, we think about doing something and think, well, maybe this is what the Lord wanted me to do. And then it turns out that maybe that wasn't. Kind of like Abram, who perhaps thought it was what God meant. But it wasn't. Sometimes we make moves and then realize that it wasn't, but does that mean our faith wavered? This past week, my daughter has taken a real interest in playing chess. So a couple nights ago, she asked, Daddy, can you teach me how to play chess? I really want to learn how to play. I immediately thought, like, immediately thought to myself, okay, chess can be a very complicated game, and she, but she knows how to play checkers, so that will help. How do I teach her? I'll teach her by showing her while we play the game. So I explained to her how each of the different six types of chess pieces move, starting with the pawns, the bishops, the knights, the rooks, the queen, and the king. The whole time her eyes are completely fixed on this board in front of us. And the game begins. As we go along and play, I explain to her what moves she could potentially make, but ultimately leave the decision in her hands. So the game goes on for a bit, and I'm explaining the process and whatnot, and I put her king in check. Oops. 
She, she reaches to move another chess piece because she knows how it moves now. And I reply, no, you have to mo either move your king or get rid of the thing that is threatening your king. So she moves another piece to get rid of the threat. The game goes on a few more moves, and now she finds herself in check again. She reaches to move another chess piece, but I reply the same way. You know, you need to move your king or get rid of the threat. The game ended sometime after that with the checkmate of her king. I know. How could you do that to her dad? Well, maybe we can talk about that later. But, but, but sometimes we can make a move in what we think is the right way, but God's getting our attention saying, you need to do this first or do this instead. And sometimes that move may not be realized as a, as a wrong one until later because maybe God doesn't maybe get our attention right away about it. But again, even those times, we are walking by faith. And you know, we're walking by faith, which means we don't know what tomorrow holds. We're walking by faith and not by sight. We, but we still hold on to who holds that tomorrow. Why? Because it is God and God alone who will see you through. Every trial, every persecution, every struggle, every pain, every doubt, God will see you through. So as we continue on in this short passage in 2 Corinthians, we can see that Paul had a realization, but likely more so a remembering that his faith that he had in the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us. He turned this to his motivation for the sacrificial lifestyle that he chose to live and that which we are encouraged to live. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.13 saying, We have the same spirit of faith according to as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. And he continues, We also believe and therefore speak. We believe in God's deliverance. He did it for them. He can do it for me. Paul testified of God's all-surpassing power, which delivered him many times. His recent experience of deliverance from death has, has strengthened his faith so that he can more confidently write, we speak the word of God. If you've read any of the letters that Paul wrote, you realize that he was a pretty busy guy, always doing something but as I mentioned just moments ago, he was motivated to do these. He was motivated for ministry. He was motivated to serve the Lord in whatever way that he could, at whatever cost it would take. He lived this sacrificial lifestyle that has become the example for all who read and follow God's word today. He writes selflessly in verse 15, For all things are, are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving redound to the glory of God. In other words, Paul did not want this move of God to stop with him. But he desired that it would keep going. That it would keep moving. That it would keep possessing it more and more. That his word would continue to be shared with those neighbors, those co-workers, those family, those friends, anyone and everyone. That his word would continue to search the very depths of each of our hearts as we turn it over our will for the Lord's will in our lives. And when we read of this outward man perishing, yet the inward man being renewed day by day, one can realize that it's not what happens to this that makes any difference. It's not what happens to my flesh that makes any difference, but the change that occurs within. I desire that my inner man be renewed with each day. I desire that my inner man be renewed more and more as the world waxes colder and colder. My outward man will perish one day. I will continue to grow older in age. I know that I'm not getting any younger. The clock hasn't turned back ten clicks like it did for Nebuchadnezzar, or at least not yet. But my inward man, the part that I need to make sure that I focus on, needs to be renewed each day. It needs to be refilled each day. Though our outward selves belong to the present world of what is seen and is wasting away because of the troubles or the light afflictions, there is an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is the culmination of being renewed day by day. It is that which is yet unseen. And as we come to the end of verse 17, there is a term that, that may stick out to some, and I felt 
the Lord impressed upon me as we wrap up things here to give some explanation regarding the term glory. We read in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But what is glory? Man cannot see God. What God shows man and permits him to see is his glory and brightness. He revealed his glory to his servant Moses. He revealed his glory in the miracles that he performed here on earth. He revealed his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration when he ascended into heaven. Paul saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus on the road approaching Damascus. Although glory belongs to God alone, he imparts his glory to his people. And as we read toward the start of today's first word, or as we read, excuse me, in verse 6, what the gospel God shines his light on is the darkness in our hearts. His light shines in the darkness of our hearts. And when his glory enters in, we are, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, it's interesting when you think about a light shining in a dark place. So if this room was completely dark right now, there were no lights, the lights weren't on here, uh, and you could not see me, you couldn't see anything, the, the windows were all blocked over, so it was completely pitch black, and you couldn't see anything, and I turned on a flashlight on my phone, that would illuminate everything in this room. You see, when it talks about lighting, bringing light to the darkness of our hearts, there are some dark spaces in our hearts. And you know, oftentimes I pray, Lord, Lord, reach every crack, every crevice, every corner that maybe got some dust in it, reach everything. Because when your light shines, guess what, church? The darkness has to flee. The darkness has to go away. You see, he doesn't bring, he doesn't bring to light things. He, Bishop, he doesn't bring things to light to put a big spotlight on and say, whoa, you're doing that. I can't believe you did that. He doesn't bring the light to condemn. He brings the light to convict. He brings the light to set forth a change in you. When he shines a light on something in you, that's conviction saying, hey, hey, you know, you've been doing this. We've got to make some changes here, child of God. We've got to make some changes here because I, I know this has been holding you back from some things. So we've got to let go of this. And, I, and I'm shining my light here because I want you to be aware of it. Be aware of it. Do something with us. You've got to make the choice to do it. But I'm showing you what needs to change. But the choice is up to you. You know, this, this inward man being, being perished, it's perishing day by day. It's dying every day. And being renewed day by day, that renewal comes when we, when we draw to him, when we draw close to him, when we, when we allow that light to shine to show these things that, you know, maybe we've been hiding for too long. You know, we are given awareness that we have to make sure that what is in here is good, that what is in here is acceptable, that, that what is in here is what God not only desires, but requires and I'm thankful for the Lord, because while my outer flesh continues to wither away, he is still working on my inner man. It is the inner man where the I die daily must begin. That is where the transformation starts. And here is what I want to encourage you with. As your outer man approaches disintegration, the finishing touches are being applied to the new creation. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see that house not built with human hands. The one that is eternal in heaven. It's not a place where you can take your possessions with you. But there will be no need for possessions. It's not a place where you can take your cares with you. Because those cares will be gone. It's not a place where you can take anything with you. For this all shall pass away. But eternity will not pass away. <laughs> Eternity with Jesus is what we as believers, as followers of his word are desiring to possess. It is that mark that we are pressing toward. It is that mark that we are encouraging others to press toward as well. 
I am doing what I'm doing today because I want to have an eternity with Jesus. I am telling others about this too because I want others to have an eternity with him as well. Can you answer this question for me? Do any of you know what troubles may come your way? Do any of you know what pressures you may face even later today? Unless God tells you that this or that will happen and to be ready, do you know? When Paul writes about these light afflictions that we face, he, he is speaking from both those he has experienced and those that he has yet to experience, even at that point in his life. He does not view the sufferings as good works or anything good themselves. But what do troubles do? Look at verse 18 of, of 2 Corinthians 4 again. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. These troubles, these pressures, or what have you, cause us to fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Troubles help us understand that there is no future in this life. There is no eternity here. This will come to an end. We therefore focus on the unseen, <laughs> the resurrected, the glorified, King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior. Now, we do have needs here that, you know, we have to take care of. We have, things that are, we have needs that are important, and others have needs as well. Yet, what we are to long for is not the pleasures and possessions, but that are put before us by advertisements that we see. We have to have the latest this or that, not the latest fads or whatnot, but not by any of these things which are temporal, but the promises of God, the eternal. What will help you continue to possess in the midst of pressure? What will help you continue to possess in the midst of pressure? Your fellowship with one another, your prayer life, your praise, your worship, your service, your sacrifice to the kingdom of God. These are that which will reap eternal benefits. That while we cannot see now, we'll be able to see one day. That which is unseen and eternal is more real, no comparison to the things which we see here. I can try to imagine it, but it's, it's greater than my wildest imagination. <laughs> our future eternal existence, excuse me, our future eternal existence with God is a true existence. This is one only, this one is only a shadow cast by a coming reality. This life with its troubles is a preparation for our true destiny. That eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And yes, there is much work to be done until that time. So I know that you will continue to serve the Lord with all that is in you. But as you do those things, your focus is on eternity. Your focus is on what is yet to come. Your focus is, in, is on what hasn't happened yet. And so you keep pressing. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. You keep reaching. You keep going. You keep doing Jesus wants to see you face to face, church. He wants to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He desires to spend eternity with you. So if you find yourself here today, if you find yourself here today asking, how can I be sure that I'm ready to meet Jesus one day? It starts with all of these things that I said, but it, you, you have to come to this place with the Lord. You have to come to this place with the Lord that says, I'm, I'm done doing this or that, Lord. I, I give myself over to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. It starts with that repentance, that, that repentance saying, that godly sorrow saying, wow, I'm so sorry, Lord. Here's the thing. When you repent, the Lord forgives. Every single time. You see, if you, if you feel that today, if you, if you feel the Lord pressing on you to to change, to, to, to get with him, to, to, to get back with him where you once were again. Why don't we stand all over this place?
We're coming to a close here, but I just want us to pray. There's salvation in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And He has quickened you to ask maybe today, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to get right with you again? Lord, show me what you have to show me. I'm ready to receive it. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word, which is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord Jesus, I pray for every heart and mind here today. Lord, as, as we seek you, as we seek your will, as you show us these things that, that, that need change, that need fixed, that, that maybe we need to turn from, Lord, because as we turn from those things, so we turn to you and allow you to fill us in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your spirit that fills each and every one of us that desire to be filled in this place. Lord, I pray for those who may be watching online right now, Lord, and they feel your presence. Lord, I pray you would fill them, Lord, with your spirit, oh God, that you would fill them so full that it would just come out, Lord, and they would be speaking with a new tongue that they haven't heard before, Lord Jesus. God, that you would fill them so full, oh God, that it would just overflow, God, and Lord, help us, Lord, to as, our, as we fill these vessels up, Lord Jesus, to, to, to flow them into other people, to, to pour them out to other people so that others can, can be filled too. And as we pour out, so you fill us, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.